You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Farming Assets. If you're watching on our YouTube channel at Asset Coach Tax Strategist, welcome. Welcome. If you're not a subscriber, please go ahead and subscribe. If you like any of the content that you're receiving, give us a thumbs up, give, give us some comments down below. We appreciate any feedback and conversation that you have with us. So as you guys may know, this episode, this content, our business, Terraforma Business and Financial Consultants, our sole job is to really try to help you as a business owner or somebody who's striving to reduce their tax liability, increase their wealth from a from a perspective of what's the most efficient way to do that. And of course, most of us would like to do it from a tax savings perspective, being able to obviously earn a greater rate of return on whatever assets we're using, blah, blah, blah. Now, one of the things and the reason why I'm so passionate about what we do as kind of a holistic consulting firm, why I use the terminology of asset coach and tax strategist, why we use the term of farming assets and many other terms that we use is because you and I are being bombarded with so much information, so much information. And a lot of times we just don't know what's real. Now, especially with social media and technology, some of the stuff is just clickbait, right? You just They just looking for you to click on it and it improves their numbers so they can go get more marketing dollars or whatever the case may be. Now we're starting to deal with and talk about and hear about bots that are actually writing content and doing things. So we don't even know what's real anymore. So it's very frustrating as a business owner trying to just really survive day to day. And I don't mean survival like it's life or death, but I mean just, you know, dealing with all this outside noise from the government, from regulatory bodies, from your your local municipality, from customers, from employees, you name it. As business owners, we're kind of being tugged in different areas. And sometimes we're starting to feel like maybe we're enemy number one. But the reality is with, as you're hearing from our content, you hear from us, no, we are not enemy number one. The government, all these entities are doing this for political motivations. They need us. The government needs us. The world economy needs us. You and I as business owners, small business owners, we're the what causes the economy, causes consumerism to thrive, actually causes big corporations to thrive as well because you and I can innovate. You and I have a better and quicker ability to innovate and turn on a dime than some of these larger corporations. Yes, they may have the money and the funds to eventually buy out smaller corporations. Absolutely. And that's how they continue to grow and stay blue chips. But it's because you and I as a small business owner are starting to thrive. Now, as you guys may have heard or already know, I wrote a book called Economic Termites. We all know what a termite is. And we know when we see termite, that evidence of termites, the damage has been done, right? They've already eat, eaten up the internal to where now we're starting to see the results of that light later on. Whether it's weeks, months, or years, I don't know. But that doesn't really matter. The terminology of the termites, we understand. Economically, we have termites. And so we've talked about this in different episodes. And, and what I like to do is bring out outside articles, outside information, and discuss some of these things. So 
We spent some time on inflation. We spent some time on taxes. These are two termites. We've spent some time and I've been going through this unlocking the vault series of giving you an access to how to look at your situation, we call it the cash flow recovery process and kind of go through our process of how we help business owners and, and those that are striving to reduce their tax liability like business owners. So we've gone through that and, and how to recoup or make up lost time from the time value of investing. We've also talked about our politicians and how laws and regulations affect us. And then, of course, debt we've talked about. So this episode is going to be very specific on debt. Penn Mutual, they're an insurance company. They also have a man asset management department where they manage Penn Mutual's money from the, their insurance policies. They, they do a whole bunch of stuff. Very, very good company. We are contracted with them as insurance agents, just so you know, full disclosure. So which is why I get um, this. We're also a policyholder. I have life insurance on myself through Penn Mutual. So, but they come out with some articles that I find are very, very intriguing and very informational. And so today is that case. I'm going to go through an article that actually was released yesterday about debt, consumer debt, and what it looks like. And this is really important because it addresses the economic termite situation that we've been talking about and talking about how, you know, with the with the laws and regulations, with our politician decisions, how that affects us, not necessarily short term, but also long term. And so I'm going to go ahead and share my screen for those that are looking at our YouTube channel. If you're not, then you have nothing to, for you to see. Just listen to what I have to say. Now, Penn Mutual Asset Management came out with this article again, February 16th, yesterday. Okay, so today I'm recording this as February 17th, and the article is called, Are U.S. Consumers Tapped Out? Question mark. And what it's talking about is credit card debt versus savings. And there's a this beautiful graph, dollars, and, and looks like one of the graphs looks like an EKG, and that's the orange graph, and the blue graph looks like what you want the sales of your company to start doing. Okay, now you can, you can assume... Which graph is rich? The orange graph, the personal savings rate graph, is the one that looks like an EKG. We as, as consumers, and it's just focusing on 2018 to really September of 2022, where they're able to track data, okay? So it kind of gives you an idea how far behind data tracking is. But at the end of the day, it gives you an idea. Now, one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to explain this graph, and then we're going to go into the, the, the dialogue or the written aspect of the article. Now, the graph is showing really in May of 2020, March between the 1st of 2020 to May of 2020, that's when the government shut down the economy. And all of a sudden, nobody was driving. Nobody was doing anything other than staying home. And a lot of everybody was working from home, so we're still earning paychecks. There was stimulus checks coming out. There's a bunch of money flowing into us. We didn't have to pay rent if we're paying rent or didn't have to pay our student loans if we had student loans, right? So all of a sudden, everything come to a screeching halt. So what happens to savings? It starts kicking in and it almost hits almost a 35% increase or a 35% savings rate, which is crazy for us as consumers in, in America. Now, if you go to the January, between January of 2021 and May 2021, exact year from that, through the rest of the year of 2020, the savings rate started dropping and then it, it spiked back up 
in 2021 in that basically a year ago. So, but up to about 25%. So now here's what's interesting. Consumer loans, credit cards, and other revolving plans saw a drop in that same period of time. And not until May of 2021 did we they start seeing an uptick. Why? Well, let's go through the article and discuss this. So the source of the, the graph and the information is coming from the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, okay? And so the U.S. personal savings rate, which measures personal savings as a percentage of a disposal income, spiked during the pandemic as many Americans received stimulus checks, stopped commuting to work, so you had no gas costs, right? And spent less on entertainment and dining out because everything was shut down. According to the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis, personal savings hit $4.85 trillion in the second quarter of 2020. And the personal savings rate was was 33.8%. That's that close to 35% I was talking about. It was actually 33.8%. Since then, the personal savings rate for Americans hit a 17 low, 17 year low in November of 2022 by falling to 2.4%. As of December 2022, the rate has risen slightly to 3.4%. Okay. Now, personal savings has declined as the cost of goods and services are rising. What's causing that? Inflation. During the past year, the cost of living inflation has risen faster than income for most Americans, which has forced many to take on more debt to make ends meet. Rising interest rates are making debt more costly. Average household leverage has risen as credit usage has increased, which may be a sign that some borrowers have exhausted their pandemic savings. Inflation is outpacing wage growth, which will make it difficult for some borrowers at the lower end of the credit spectrum to service their debt. Now, here's the interesting aspect of credit card debt. Now, you may have heard me talk about this previously, but I want to make sure it's very, very clear. When you apply for a credit card and they say, congratulations, with exclamation points, you've been approved for X amount of credit limit. So let's say it's $10,000. So congratulations, you now have access to $10,000. Now, as you and I both know, that's not $10,000 that goes right into your savings account and that's actual cash. It's a credit limit, meaning you have access to that money that the bank, the credit card company is gonna lend you when you use that credit card. In return, they're gonna charge you a cost for that, which is an interest rate. Now, you may get an introductory rate, you may get a low rate. The bottom line is that let's say you have $0 charged, okay? So you haven't used the card, and let's say your interest rate is, I don't know, 5%, okay? So any dollar that you decide to charge would be charged at 5%. So you're like, hey, that's not bad. So, okay, so let's, let's go ahead and go spend some money. So you spend some money. And then all of a sudden you decide, you know what, let's spend some more money. What's going to happen month over month, if you're not looking at your credit card statement, is that 5% interest is actually going to start going up. That cost of what you're using is going to go up. Well, why? Well, because there's this push-pull. What I mean by that is your credit score is based on the available credit that you have but it also is based on the amount of credit, the debt to income ratio, 
okay? And usage. So if you start using this, now, granted, you're going to sit there and say, hey, the credit card company said I have access to $10,000. Absolutely. They find you credit worthy enough to be able to say you can use $10,000. But what they don't tell you is that as you get closer to that limit, that 10,000 limit, there's certain ranges where that interest, that 5% interest will start going up. So the moment you get to 30%, your credit score could start going down. Once you, But if you're showing payments, that could actually cause your credit score to go up. Yeah, right? Okay, and clear as mud, right? So, but the moment you hit 50% of that credit card limit, so $10,000 your limit, you hit 5,000, your interest rate is gonna start skyrocketing. And the more you get closer to that limit of 10,000, your cost of that is gonna go higher. Now you're going to sit there and say, hey, but I was approved for 10,000. They said I could use 10,000 and they said my interest rate is going to be 5%. That's correct. But in the fine print, as you get closer, you become less credit worthy because you're using the money. It's not a fixed loan. It's a limit of what they get to decide on what that is. So all of a sudden your 5% interest could go to 14, 18, 20% the higher you spend that money. Now, when we go back to this article, we can see where this is gonna become a real big issue as we go through this process. Now, as personal savings rates decline and the cost of everything going up, right? We talked about that, making debt more costly, rising interest rates. So now you have not only the usage of debt, but interest rates are rising. So you have two things going against you. Now, if you've ever read Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, more specifically, The Cash Flow Quadrant, he talks about the balance sheets of banks and our balance sheet as individuals, but also our balance sheets as business owners and where you want to be. Now, this debt, if this debt wasn't personal debt, notice that it keeps talking about personal debt. Okay. Now it's not talking about business debt because the opposite is true with business debt. The more business debt you use, you become more credit worthy and actually banks want you to use more. Well, that doesn't make sense. It makes tons of sense because what the government wants you to do is be able to use these monies as a business to grow and expand your business. And the mentality is, is that as you're using more business debt, and you're putting this money into play that you're generating more revenue, that you are hiring more employees, that you're creating more taxation, and you're creating more of that evolution of the economy of flow of cash, mainly taxes, okay? So it makes a lot of sense. But on the personal side, it's all usage. It's liability. On the business side, it's an asset, okay? Now, let's go back to the article. After a brief decline, American credit card debt is on the rise again. Credit card debt for Americans' consumers has been piling up, reaching $943 billion in January 2023. That's a 14% year-over-year increase. Credit card balances now exceed their pre-pandemic levels after sharp declines in the first year of the pandemic. Now, not only are credit card balances rising, interest rates have also been increasing as the Federal Reserve, the Fed, raised rates eight times in the past year in an effort to combat inflation. Now, the Fed's actions have pushed the average credit card interest rate on accounts incurring interest to 20.4%. 
as of November 2022, according to the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. This is the highest average rate, average rate. So that means there's people who are higher than this. This is the highest average rate since the St. Louis Fed began tracking such data in 1994. Now, craziness here, right? So now the Fed is raising interest rates because they're trying to slow inflation. And in fact, the Fed is actually taking dollars out of the bank's coffers to reduce the amount of liquidity in the market to, to combat this inflation. So they're trying everything they possibly can to reduce inflation. But because of the political situation, because of decisions the politicians have made, because of the various things that have gone on, this is the result of it. Now, the decisions and the choices that they're making right now actually is going to start causing a lot of these folks to what? We're going to may go into a recession. So it starts causing businesses to lay off folks. Businesses don't lay off their best people. They usually lay off the people that they don't want anymore or they, they don't need anymore right? Or those employees that are costly, meaning that hire managers where those managers aren't needed because they can promote somebody lower to a new manager spot who at a lower income rate, okay? So there's going to be this jockeying that's going to start occurring, okay? Now, when that happens is that what happens if now you have no income, but yet you have this debt and it's rising, interest rates are rising, and the debt limit is rising. Now, credit cards are the most prevalent type of debt in the US, and there are more than 500 million open accounts. 500 million. Now, there's 330 million Americans. That's our population, 330 million. Okay. Now, we know those that are 18 and younger typically don't have credit cards. So we can kick them out. And let's say they're about third, a third of the population. So that means 210-ish million people have at least two credit card accounts open. Now we know that case to be higher. Now, half of all American adults have at least two credit cards. <laughs> there you go. And 13% have five or more cards. While balances are rising, performance remains stable. Now, you need to have more cards because you need to have greater credit limit to allow your credit score to go higher to actually qualify for other financing, such as vehicles, such as mortgages, such as insurances. A lot of purchases that we take now, they run your credit to see if you're credit worthy to be able to pay for your monthly insurance payments, or they are going to require you to pay annually, or they're going to require other types of costs associated with your payments. So having a better credit score reduces your costs. So it makes sense to have more credit cards because you're, you have a larger limit. Now, according to the most recent data from the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, the 30-day delinquency rate of credit card payments rose modestly from 1.85% to 2.08% in the third quarter of 2022. But it's rising, and that's our concern, a 30-day delinquency. So this is going to start increasing, and probably I would expect this to probably double here in the next 90 to 180 days 
if the economy inflation continues to be what it at is, it's not getting under control. The corporations come out and the, the finances come out and we start actually may possibly go into recession type conversation. I can see that this delinquency rate doubling to four to five, six percent. However, delinquency rates are still near historic lows. So that's good right? That's very good. Before falling under 2% in the first quarter of 2021, delinquency rates had never dropped below that number since tracking began in 91. Delinquency reached a peak of 6.8% in 09 during the Great Recession. So it kind of gives you an idea. So almost 7%, so 6.8% in 2009, which was the tail end of the Great Recession, okay? So in October of 07, is when we started hitting the uh, Great Recession, all of 2008, and then March of 09 is when things started turning around, but that's when delinquency rates were trailing. And so 09, we were, the economy was getting out of its tailspin. Doesn't mean comp- individual consumers were, okay? So that's very important to look at. So we can go anywhere from the 2% we're at right now in delinquency up to almost 7% what it was in 09. Will we get there? I don't know. I don't know, but you get kind of get an idea. There's a four, 4% swing there. Now, higher prices have taken a significant bite out of the household income. As as a result, consumer spending on inflation-adjusted basis has stagnated. This trend is expected to continue with further monetary tightening, resulting in diminishing consumer demand. So really theoretically, right? Theoretically. Collateral performance will likely weaken this year as inflation inhibits borrowers' ability to repay their loans. Stress is occurring in subprime and near-prime borrowers in households that are tapped out. Consumers will likely continue to prioritize payments based on future utility. While the consumer still faces challenges, spreads on some securitized consumer loans look attractive. Asset-backed securitization may benefit from short-term. Now we're talking institutional investing terms here, okay? So now we're talking about from an investor perspective, hey, maybe it makes sense to invest in things that are going to be backed by asset-backed. And so we're starting to look at short-term deleveraging structures and solid credit enhancements. So this next part is getting into more of that focus, which actually is conversation that created the Great Recession in 07 to 09. But so anyways, I found that article very intriguing. I think it's very important for us as business owners to be be wary of this because even though we're using debt for our business to, but we also, our businesses, depending on what our products and services are and what our target market is, we need to be wary of who our consumers are because if they start having an inability to spend, that could affect your revenue. So you just need to be mindful of what you're doing, how you're doing it. Now, Again, if you're not sure what that means for your particular business, so you're not sure what you can do from a growth cash flow perspective in this type of environment, feel free to reach out to us. We'd be happy to have conversations and dialogues and see if there's some areas. And there's tons of great professionals who are really good at business consulting. So if you have somebody, reach out to them. What you're not going to typically find is good advice from your attorney, good advice from your CPA, good advice from your financial advisor. Now that sounds like an oxymoron, like those folks should be able to provide really good advice in these environments, but based on their their expertise in their area profession, typically they don't have the expertise in what we just discussed and talked about. Now, what you may hear them say is spend less, 
right? But they may not be able to tell you what that means, how you need to shift your spending, how you need to look at cash flow as a business owner, that sort of stuff. So there's certain areas that we may want to look. We may need to look at some of the things of how you're structuring your cash flow and reducing your tax liability and, and, and holding on to some of the cash flow that's going to pay taxes and structuring shifting. How actually it may make sense for you to use some of your cash flow to actually buy an additional asset which sounds like crazy. Why would I buy an asset? But from an accounting perspective, it actually could help your business cash flow and as well as your business taxation and cash flow as well. So if you have no idea what I just said, reach out to us. It's not a big deal. But to thank you so much for your time enjoyed our conversation, even though I'm the only one talking. Thank you for being such a great listener. I look forward to your comments down below and make it a great day. Thanks so much. Bless. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.